0: You know, the Toronto fan base is always very nice, they don't attack or whatever. And I was like, I guess it's just because, you know, Canadians are gentle people.
1: Good morning and welcome to episode 103 of Effectively Wild, the Baseball Prospectus daily podcast. In New York, New York, I am Ben Lindbergh. Uh, not in Long Beach, California, the hometown of Travis Darnot, but instead from Tyler, Texas. Sam Miller is joining me tonight. Hello, Sam. Hello, And we also have a special guest on. He's Jason Parks from Brooklyn, New York. Hello, Jason. Say hello Uh, to the internet, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me on Tyler, Texas. What the hell are you doing there?
2: (laughs) I got a little uh, reporting assignment that took me here.
1: Interesting. Have you been to Tyler? Yeah. What what area of Texas is
0: is Tyler? Tyler's Uh, East Texas.
2: It's about, uh, what, two hours east of Dallas?
0: Yeah, Tyler's the home of Earl Campbell.
2: Hmm. I am not working on a story about Earl Campbell.
0: <laughs> well, that's usually the only reason people go to Tyler.
2: When, uh, when Ben found out I was in Tyler, the first thing he asked is whether I was writing about Josh Tomlin,
1: which
0: is pretty impressive. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: But I'm not writing about Probably Josh not. Tomlin. Probably not. Right.
1: Um, tell, tell Jason what you saw at the airport, though.
2: I saw a near fight uh, because a man was wearing a Steelers jersey.
0: This is probably one of my family members. (laughs) We'll swing at people wearing uh, Steelers stuff. (laughs)
1: Um, So today we are talking about the R.A. Dickey trade, which hasn't happened yet, but uh, looks like it has been agreed to in principle, at least the terms. Um, So we have brought Jason on to talk about the deal and about the prospects that are going the other way in the deal. Um, if you're listening to this on Monday, you can read some stuff Jason wrote about those prospects at BP. You can also read the Toronto Blue Jays uh, prospect rankings, which came out recently, and, and cover the two guys in the deal. But I guess just uh, to start, why don't you talk a little bit about the the two main guys that the, the Mets are getting here, Travis Darno and and Noah Syndergaard.
0: Okay, I mean, when, when this first you know broke on Twitter I really couldn't believe it I mean you know R.A. Dickey is I, I know he has the award I know that he has you know it last couple of years he's been really really good but I mean this isn't your typical pitcher you know it's really hard for a lot of people to get a, a grip on what he is and what he's going to do um, so I actually thought the package was, would would reflect that I didn't think it was going to be this extreme when I saw those two names I mean that's extreme I mean that's really really extreme um, so, there's, I mean, there's a couple ways of looking at it. I mean, they must really, really value Dickey, you know. I mean, put him in the dome and see what the, the knuckleball can do in the dome. Um, or, you know, maybe they don't think the prospects are all that hot or a combination of both. But uh, D- Darno is, a, is, a, is their, the Jays' best prospect. I mean, he is uh, the, kind of the rare uh, catching prospect that can hit and receive. Um, he's got some catch and throw skill he's got a strong arm uh, his footwork is improved he's a, he's a hard worker uh, the bat is at least average major league average and the power potential could be major league plus and he could hit 20 25 home runs at, at full maturity which is a pretty exciting package if you can get that behind the plate um, you know that the, the grades will vary of uh, whether he's going to be just a a solid average regular or a first division guy or in you know, a perennial all-star which you know changes everything of course but um you know that's a he's a big piece he's a he's a top 15 guy in baseball uh, in the entire minors um he's definitely a guy that i thought the toronto was was going to keep because uh that kind of package and six years of team control is uh is a pretty sexy uh situation but uh again i guess they really really want to win now so he's, I mean, he's ready right now. You think? Yeah. He could step yeah. In. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think that he, he would have been playing at the major league level last year, but he hurt his, his knee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it scrapped team. Um, you know, he put up a lot of crazy numbers. He played in a lot of crazy environments. So you kind of, you can't look at his, his triple A numbers and get too excited. I mean, he's not going to do that at the major league level, but, um, you know, supposedly he's healthy and, uh, he was able to play uh winter ball and just opted not to. So it's, I don't think it's that big of a concern. He's had some injury issues in the past with his back and with his knee. So, you know, perhaps there's a, some medical concerns, but I mean, I think that, I think it's just kind of some minor injuries. I think he's going to be fine. And yeah, I think he's, uh, he's definitely ready to compete for a major league job. I mean, he may. He may require a little bit more Triple A time just to make sure that he's fully healthy, but you know he's got to learn to receive at the major league level. There's certain things that you can't learn in Triple A, such as how to face major league pitching. So um, I think that he'll, you know, he has a good chance to to come to camp and do some damage. But we'll see what happens. He'll definitely play at the level in 2013. Um, The second prospect, which I was, I I admit, I I couldn't believe that he was included with Mm -hmm. Darno. I mean, that's just. From a prospect guy, I mean, I was like, oh, that's you don't see that. You don't see the top two guys in the system go very often. Um, is uh, is Noah Sindergaard who is just a big hulking human from Texas. Um, he has – he throws really hard. Um, this is a guy who in high school was like in the 80s, and he would tick up a little bit, and he got to the 90s. Uh, gets into professional ball, and all of a sudden, you know, at parts last year, he's throwing 100. hmm so this guy has tons of arm strength. It's, there's some effort in the delivery. It's not the, the easiest cheese you'll ever see, but he can routinely work anywhere from 94 to 96. He can touch a lot higher. Um, he has a feel for a, a breaking ball that he can throw, um, and he also has a changeup, which took a big step forward last year. So, I mean, he has potential to have, you know, that seven pitch, that seven grade pitch, and then a couple of plus secondary pitches. So high upside, I'd put him a, like a number two starter profile perhaps.
1: So you get the the Mets top 10 coming out in a day or two at, at BP. Can you kind of tease what this does for their system? Or not necessarily <laughs> it, where these guys rank, but just what, I mean, is
0: it? It helps. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> it, it helps. I mean, because the Mets system was pretty bad. Um, you know, Zach Wheeler's a stud. Zach Wheeler's a, a top 10 prospect in baseball. Um, definitely one of the best Pitching prospects in baseball, and uh, he's gonna—he could—he has a chance to to do some things uh, in New York to make him a star. One because of the market, and two because of the way he pitches. I mean, he's a strikeout guy. Um, so, strikeout—a young strikeout guy in New York—he's gonna do well. Um, he'll be giving out gift baskets, <laughs> you know, and sign balls. Um, but you add Darno and you add Syndergaard to it. Well, those guys automatically slot up underneath him, um, and all of a sudden that. The system has some impact guys. Um, it went from like maybe one impact guy with a, a chance for a second impact guy to, a, you know, three guys that are definitely going to be in the in the top 30 in baseball. So that becomes quite an impressive system. It falls off after that a great deal that uh, you know, they haven't been very successful in Latin America. Um, they've, they've had some funky drafts you get a guy like, you know, Brandon Nemo who they drafted really high who they really like who I really don't like that much. Mm-hmm. Um, he's down the list. There's a lot of reliever profiles. It's just not that great. Um, but now it's a, it's a hell of a lot better. You have some impact potential. It's a it's not a top-tier system, but it's a it's certainly respectable.
1: So, you wrote a little bit about the the tendency to look for something wrong with a prospect when when a, a prospect this highly ranked gets traded um, yeah. and, and I wrote an article about that last week Kind of looking back yeah. at, at previous top 10 guys Who've been traded very early in their in their careers In most cases before they even lose their, their rookie eligibility And those guys haven't worked out quite as well As the ones who haven't been traded But it's, it's <laughs> right. such a small list That it's also kind of hard to make any definitive conclusion about that So I guess I don't know, when you look at, at Darno and Syndergaard, if there, if there is something that, say, the Jays know that, that the Mets don't know or, or don't know as well, I guess what would it be? I, I, with Darno, I guess it's just the, the knee and the health concerns. And I, yeah. I mean, is this something where you even are thinking about that anymore or are you just thinking they like these guys as much as anyone does? They just really wanted to win right now.
0: Well, I mean, I guess it comes down to that. I mean, they, ultimately, they, they really wanted to win, and that was the price. Um, you know, Dickey was the, the best available pitcher for them. Um, although, I mean, if you want to you strip Dickey from it, I know that they think that he can perform very well in the Dome. That's, this is, that's a big part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you were – you could go to a lot of different teams, I think, and say, hey, how about Dernot and Cindergard and, and you could probably extract a, a pretty decent arm from them. Well, maybe not a Dickey level, but something that has a little bit more of a track record, something that you can you feel a little bit more confident in. And again, maybe a lot of this is my bias against knuckleballers, just because I don't know how to scout them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just really difficult. But as far as your question goes, you know, I mean, it's, it's so complicated that, and I, all I can do is speculate, because I don't have the information. Um, I know some teams are more willing to trade prospects than other teams. A lot of it has to do with the fact... Uh, you know, if they drafted that player and really nurtured that player all the way up the chain. You know, if you spend five years with a player, that's a that's a pretty hefty investment, both, you know, financially and emotionally. You know, you get to know this, this kid and you'd be, you know, less willing to part with him. Now, Darnell's already been bounced around a little bit, not a great deal, and that doesn't reflect on him. It's just they don't have that same sort of bond. And, you know, Syndergaard is still a young kid, so they haven't had too much time with him, but... You know, it, you do put in a, an investment with these players when you scout them as amateurs and grow them for years in your system. So, you know, I think you see a lot of those guys are, you know, teams are, are reluctant to trade those type of guys unless there's something going on that they don't think gels with their team. Some of it's makeup. You know, makeup's a really big deal and it's really hard for people on the outside of the org to really know what's going on. I mean, you can see a player at the field, you can see him hustle. You don't know what's really going on. He could be dragging the team down. The, the, the team could know some things about his makeup that would prevent him from reaching his ceiling. All these kind of things are in play. Um, outside observers, all we can do is speculate. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I really don't know. I, I, I talked to some people who not only scouted Darno as an as a amateur, but throughout the professional ranks. And he's a good kid, supposedly. He works hard. Um, if anything, I think it's just because they had a surplus at the position. They're satisfied with the the, the, the backstop they have. Um, maybe there's some injury concerns. Maybe they don't think he's going to be a perennial all-star. They think he's just going to be more of a solid average regular. That was the price for Dickey. They have it. I mean, if you look at their roster, their roster is jacked up. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know that is a pretty substantial roster in a division that, you know, not to really get in into it, but like. Who knows what the Yankees are going to do? They're losing out to the Pirates for players.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. You
0: know the world is ending. The the <laughs> Red Sox are you know once again acquiring players that they're going to sell to the Dodgers in a, in a few weeks.
1: Mm-hmm. The Orioles haven't re- done a thing all winter.
0: So I, much, I, I yeah. didn't believe in the I didn't believe in the Orioles no, last
1: year. Right. Neither did <laughs> <You, laughs> we. And uh,
0: you have the Rays who they're in a fire sale again. And who knows? It could be they, they may not be over. Mm-hmm. You know I'm surprised that they didn't try to get Price from the Rays for that package because they probably could have pulled that off.
1: So I mean so we've seen Darno's almost a, a top ten guy. Myers is is a ten t- top ten guy. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. Bauer probably was last winter and and I don't know where he is now exactly. But um, are you surprised at, at how I guess at what these guys have brought back? If if someone had told you at the beginning of the offseason that the Jays would be trading Darno and Syndergaard and the Royals would be trading Myers and Arizona would be trading Bauer. I mean, did you think that that teams would have gotten more for these prospects? Are you surprised by, by the returns that they're getting?
0: I'm surprised that they were traded in the first place because baseball was starting to, to, to transition to a, a point where from a philosophical standpoint, prospects were becoming in, in higher demand. They weren't trading them as much, mm-hmm. you know, because of the, the rising cost of salaries, growing your own, and being having that cost-effective player, was meant even more, you know. So teams like weren't willing to part with, you know, lucrative packages to bring in expensive talent. Um, this offseason season has been very, very strange. I mean, you see a, a, a small market, small budget team that's on a, a shoestring like the Royals you know they needed that they needed that pitcher but they go ahead and they they trade a a major league ready right fielder for, you know, a, a, an expensive starting pitcher. I mean, I didn't I didn't I didn't see that going. I thought they were going to go the young route. I thought they'd target somebody like Bauer, mm-hmm. you know, before they get expensive. And then the Dickey deal, I mean, again, I don't I don't know how to scout Dickey. I don't know what he's going to do. If I was running a team, I'd be very hesitant to to not only give him a long contract but to uh trade two really, really badass prospects. But you know, then it, you, know, you go back and look at the roster, and you're like, okay, well, if Dickie is, is Dickie, I mean, who knows what, what that even means, mm-hmm. then it's worth it, right? I mean, look, people don't – people will – they love the farm systems, and I, do, I get it. You know, but eventually you have to play your hand. you got to cash in a little bit because you know, you don't, these guys don't keep their jobs just by having a good farm system. You eventually have to win at the major league level, which is the ultimate goal of baseball. It's not getting glowing reviews on on prospect sites because you're really badass at drafting and development. You have to you have to play at the major league level. You have to win. The Jays think they have a chance to win, and in that division, I think I think they're right.
2: So Brad um, Angram just put put together a list of the top ten prospects that the Jays have traded in the last six months, and uh, concludes that it's better than a lot of clubs' current top tens. And so um, you know, basically like. What, what the Jays are, are showing is that prospects are more useful for putting together the team you want than actually um, you know, promoting and using and waiting for them to gel together as a unit. Do you think that's part of a trend, or is this just a one-team, one-year kind of a thing where the circumstances fit for them?
0: I, I think that there's some pressure from ownership when it comes to the Jays about trying to win. Um, you know, there's a, they get a lot of, they, they receive a lot of hype, a lot of accolades for being, you know, uh, a really well-run organization. At least as far as, you know, getting into the draft, d- taking this aggressive approach in Latin America, where they're, you know, giving high bonuses to high-ceiling players. They seem to target the, the high school arms that they can, you know, that are boom or bust. You know, an approach I really like. Um, but you know, they haven't been successful at the major league level, and eventually you know, heads get chopped. And I, I think that plays a lot into it. Um, but I, I mean, I also think as a whole, minor league prospects, you know, we can, we can glorify them, we can get romantic about them, but they're just currency, you know. And sometimes that, that currency you, you get to use at the major league level, and sometimes you use it in trade before it depreciates, and it, and it usually will. Um, so it's, it's just about knowing when to move it. You know, so that I mean, that, and that's a that's a really big gamble.
1: So Sam and I speculated earlier in the winter that maybe we would see more teams trading young players just because it's easier to put a value on a prospect now that people have have kind of quantified what a top ten or a top twenty or a top thirty prospect has historically turned out to be and and historically produced for his team in his team control years and that. Maybe now that you can look at that and put some sort of dollar value on it, even though it's not precise, it kind of makes it easier to put them in play um, and and talk about trading them. Whereas before they might have been untouchable, but maybe just as much as that, it's just the the second wild card, kind of making every team thinking that think that it's in it and within within range of contention, and might as well go for it. I guess that could be kind of. <laughs> Another factor that's counteracting, I think Jeff Passan called it the the fetishization of prospects uh, recently. Well, that's
0: a big word for Jeff. (laughs) You know, I'm surprised he he used that word. But I think the the wild card angle is, uh, that's really smart. And I I agree with it. More teams are in contention. More teams think they have a chance to compete. Um, You know. It, it, I, again, it comes down to the team, and again, we're, we're looking at prospects and how they're viewed by the mainstream media, not how they're viewed by internal organizations, mm-hmm. which is completely different. I mean, I've, I've, I've been privy to a few internal ranking systems, and like, let me tell you, it doesn't look like Baseball America, and it doesn't look like Baseball Prospectus, and you know, they, they, have a, they, they have scouts that go out and write reports on all these players, and they try to compile them. Very rarely is it going to line up with what people outside of the industry think. Now, I think it was universally accepted that Will Myers was, you know, among the, the top prospects in baseball. But, you know, you don't you don't know that for sure internally. You don't really know how the Kansas City Royals actually viewed Will Myers as far as projection goes. Now, they may have only had him pegged as, you know, a major league regular internally, mm-hmm. you know, and which is a different trade chip than the people who think that he's a slam dunk all star, because then it looks even more graphic when they trade him. Whereas internally, you know they're losing a major league regular in a corner in a corner spot, which you can find those guys. Right. You know those aren't as I was calling them on Twitter. Those aren't precious unicorns. Those are, you you can you'll run into one. You, you're not going to run into a precious unicorn. But, I mean, I've never run into one.
1: <laughs> but a catcher who can hit and catch. there' I mean, precious. Yeah.
2: It's well, I always wonder. I always wonder about catchers, though, because I mean, on the one hand, every team, you know, it's hard to find catchers. Catchers are rare; they're a tremendous commodity, and every team would love to have a great one. But on the other hand, from a prospect perspective, they're, um, you know, they they have a they have a sort of a longer aging curve. And if you only get the guy for six years, you might accidentally spend three or four of them waiting for them to turn into something. And so I always wonder whether there's a wide. Range of opinions just on the value of catching prospects in general from organization
0: to organization. Absolutely, I mean there would have to be. I mean, um, this is just speculation, but I I would, I would, I would guess um, that some teams actually viewed him as a top ten prospect in baseball, whereas others wouldn't touch him at all. Uh, And the reason they wouldn't touch him is because of just what you said. I mean, how much are you going to get out of him? You know, it's such a physically demanding position. You know, will the bat play off the position? You know, will how many games can this guy catch? Are the are the injury issues legit? Um, you know, there, there's a lot of questions that go in with a, a catching prospect. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's going to be a wide range of opinion. Now, 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 nationally, I think most people have him in the top ten um, or more top twenty in in baseball, but. You know, I can't guarantee that every org would would see it that way. Again, I mean, they're working with a different set of eyes. Where, you know, a lot of people use Google to, to to scout or they call the team and get bullshit fed to them or whatever. But, you know, these guys are sending out teams of scouts and they're going over reports all season long. So they're working with more data and more opinion and you know, more you know better educated opinion. So their lists aren't going to look like national lists. And I think that. When we have these discussions, we're, we're working with this weird kind of media idea, mainstream idea of what a prospect, where his value lies. When in actuality, we don't really know where their value lies because we're not privy to, to internal uh, data.
1: Mm-hmm. I, it's not really related to this, but I asked Kevin a question last week when he came on about whether the, the gap between what's available publicly is wider in the the stats side or the scouting side, um, I don't think he was he was sure exactly what what the bigger differential is. I mean, do you have an opinion on whether I guess if you go work for a team and you you see what all the the brilliant math people are working on and all the hit effects and the field effects and things that we just don't have on the internet, do you think that the the gap is as wide between what the top prospect guys on the internet who talk to scouts and talk to front office sources all the time. Do you think the gap is wider on still on the on the scouting side just because we don't have that firsthand knowledge of, of prospects and their makeup? Or uh, I don't know, do you see it as being wider on one side or another?
0: I do, I do, and that's a good question. I, I mean, I still think that it's wide. Don't get me wrong. I think the scouting between um, what – what you usually I'm going to say, I'm going to use usually because I think that some of some of it's hit, is 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 right on the mark and some of it isn't, you know, and that goes for everything you're going to read online. And part of that is just because you can't you don't have access to everything, and I think that there's a wide gap there. But I don't think it's nearly as wide as the data uh, side of of Major League Baseball because as you said, they are working with with tools that people on the outside just don't have access to, right. have been few people have understanding of in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to – I don't want to put down scouts by any means because, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really good friends with them. It's, it's, it's something that I feel very strongly about, but um, these aren't the same type of minds that are, are usually the guys who are doing the data procurement and um, at, the, at the major league level. I mean, these guys are wizard minds, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they're, they're, do, they're working on some things that people on the outside – very few people would have, have the ability to handle
1: right
0: uh, now from a scouting perspective it not it's not that it's difficult but if you watch enough games and you get, and you are taught what to look for eventually you're going to figure that out that's something that you can learn through observation and time now that's advanced mathematics is not something that you can just learn through observation i mean this is something that it's it's very step oriented mm-hmm. you know you need to establish a base and learn you know all the methods. In, in, in scouting, you can just sit at a field and just pick an old man's brain and you can learn what to look for. These these advanced formulas, they're, they're dealing with a, a very high level of intelligence that, you know, again, I think it requires, you know, education. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's not to knock the scout guys, I'm saying I've just I've run across some of the data guys, um, I've had beers with some of the data guys, and it's awkward beers, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a very awkward time. But they're very, very, very smart, yes. you know, and they're, they're dealing with things that I can't even begin to understand because I've never actually seen, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen baseball games, you know, I can learn something new from a scout every time I watch a baseball game, but I have access to a baseball field, you know, I don't have access to some of the data that these, these teams can spit out because I don't have access to... You know, to, to to field FX and all that kind of stuff, and the weird velocities that come off of bats, and mm-hmm. this kind of the stuff that Trackman does. Yeah, you know, they're full of all that, mm-hmm. and they have guys who not only, you know, know how to read that, they know how to, you know, how to use it. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, and when those guys get together with the scout guys and they come up with a plan, I mean. There's not look, not every organization in baseball is dealing with stuff that's that high tech, but some of them are. Some of them are dealing with some really crazy stuff right now like you know, looking at injury issues, injury pre- prevention, that's the next wave.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that stuff is crazy shit, man. <laughs> I mean, that stuff I, can't, I mean, that's that's really really funky stuff. So that's the that's the next wave of uh, uh of like inside baseball crazy stuff is the is the 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 injury forecasting that's 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 the next stuff
1: all right i guess we're done here sam you have anything else
0: Techno. no
1: okay uh so you can read what jason and i wrote about the dickey trade which hasn't happened yet uh which is i hope it happens <laughs> <at this point. laughs> yeah we've put enough time into it um so that should be up at bp on monday you can read about the the mets top 10 list uh very soon in a, in a couple days also at BP, and, and at some point Jason will circle back and, and re-rank the, the Blue Jays' prospects to yes. see who crept into the list now that Darno and Syndergaard are not on it. Uh, and you can send us questions for our Wednesday email show at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. Uh, we're done. This was episode 103. We will be back tomorrow.